Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Right. Good morning, everybody. Merry Christmas. We're going to read uh, today from Isaiah chapter 6. So if you have your Bibles, uh, you can go ahead and, and uh, open your phone, I guess, and click there. Uh, any old school Bible holders? Anybody with that? Oh, there we go. Come on, Jay. Hold, this, hold it out, man. They do exist, right? Let's go. Um, we'll have it up on the, the screens as well, but we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6 today to kick off uh, our Christmas season. If it's cool, let me pray for us before we jump into God's Word this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you. God, we're grateful to be in your house today. Uh, like the psalmist said, hey, it's good to be in your house. And so, Father, we want to be changed by your word. We, we're here to be encouraged. We're here to be built up. And, God, we don't want to leave the same way we came in. So, Father, open today's passage to our heads, to our hearts, and make it come alive and transform our lives in Jesus' name. If you believe that with me, say amen and amen. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. Said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Let me just pause and give you a little context here. King Uzziah had been a really good king. Uh, there was a lot of military victories. He did a lot of agricultural buildings, kind of reconstructed the nation. And so it was a good time. And so Isaiah is a, a younger guy than Uzziah. And so he would have grown up under a pretty good king. He made one big mistake at the end of his life that God kind of judged him for. But, but really, he was a great king. And so it was a good journey. They knew peace. They knew prosperity. I mean, they, they were balling, right? And so Isaiah had grown up in this context where, where the person that he had kind of looked on and leaned on his whole life, things were really good. I find it really interesting that the moment that the person that Isaiah looked to and leaned on his whole life leaves, God decides to show up. Isn't that just like our God, like he's waiting for you to stop leaning on the thing you've been leaning on the last five years before he'll show off and show you who he really is? You know, I don't know about you, but there have been some things I've leaned on in my life, and like God had to kind of kick that thing out first, and then he's like, now you're ready to see what I want to do in your life? Come on, just me? Come on, somebody? Like, I think that's, that's some good. So, so he's been looking to Uzziah his whole life, and the moment he can't do that anymore, God's like, hey, man, now you're ready to see, to see my glory. Verse 2, it says, above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorsteps and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Verse 5, this is so interesting. Isaiah cries out, woe to me, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then I heard a voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And I said, Here I am, Lord, send Send me. Here I am, send me. I brought a, a mirror this morning to help me with this. This part of the message is a little il illustration. Um, we all own a mirror, don't we? Right? Everybody here has a mirror. In fact, one of the first things uh, that we do when we wake up in the morning is go look at the mirror, right? 
We, we all want to see how much help we need that day, right, before, before we get started, right? Like, Jesus, do the miracle, right? Like, help me out. And, uh, you know, I, I recently I cut my, cut my beard back this week. It was really fun, actually. There was a guy here in the first service. He didn't recognize me because I just I trimmed off a couple inches there. And so he was actually talking about me without realizing it was me. It was like his like second or third time. Thankfully, he gave me a compliment, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I like our pastor. He's, you know, for, and I was like, I'm like, oh, and he didn't realize it was me. And I was like, I was like thank God he said something positive because that could have gotten really awkward really fast for me, <laughs> right? Like, and, and him, I guess. So, so you know, so I've, I've been noticing a few extra white hairs. And I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm over this. You know, I, I need to cut this thing back a little bit. So, so Mir Mirrors really are pretty helpful, right? They, they really help us out. And they are kind of a, a funny thing when you think about it, right? Like, like we are on purpose looking at ourselves to see, to see how we measure up and to see how we look and to see what we might need to do. But they're also very, very helpful, right? Like, like maybe you were on a date and you thought you were really cute only to go to the mirror in the bathroom and see that you had a piece of sushi stuck in your tooth, right? And so what did you want to do? You got to remove that real quick, right? You don't want to ruin your love life before it gets started, right? You want to need some help. And, and so maybe you're at a, an interview, right? A business interview and you think, yeah, I'm looking good, but maybe a button's undone or maybe your, your fly's undone or a piece of hair is out of place. And you're like, no, I need my career to get together. And so mirrors are, are very helpful. They help us, right? What do, they, what do they help us do, right? They help me see the reality about me, right? Not somebody else, but, but they help me see the reality about me. And, and, and it's interesting, like, relationships can kind of do this too. It's like maybe you have a really close friendship, and you can fake it to everybody else, but they know some things, right? They, they've seen some reality. It's been said that marriage is a mirror, right? Because you and I can fake it on a Sunday morning. I can be nice for three hours, guys. I really can. Okay. But, but when you live with me 24 seven, like my wife does and my kids do, like I'm not positive all the time. Right. Neither, neither is my wife. Right. And she's, she's Sicilian. I always tell people like, man, my wife is Sicilian. Her people invented the mafia, y'all. Like you do not play with that lady. Like she's serious. And it's so like, like they're, they're, it's, it's this, this mirror. It's, it's seeing, it's seeing reality. Right. So mirrors help me see reality. I did a little research and I found that in 1835, the, the modern mirror was invented by Eustace von Liebig. But, but before that, right, for thousands of years, literally thousands of years before Christ, people were polishing metals, they're polishing stones, they're, they're trying to see and get an image of, of what they look like, right? Like, I want to see where I stand to everybody else. I need to see what I need to fix for the day before I present myself. I want to see the reality of me, right? I want to see the reality of me. And Isaiah chapter 6, Isaiah has this mere moment with God. Now, if, if you're Isaiah, his whole life, again, he's looking up to a great guy, King Uzziah. Things are good. Right? Things are good. They're prospering. Everything is good to go. He, he's God's, he's an Israelite. He's one of God's chosen kids. Right? So he's thinking like, yo, I'm under an awesome guy. The guy I'm leaning on, he's got my back. We're always, you know, rolling together. We got each other's back. We're good. I'm one of God's chosen kids. I mean, we're the select nation out of all the nations of the earth. We're amazing. And, and out of that, he's a prophet. So out of God's select few, He's like the select of the select because he's a prophet. He speaks the oracles of God. He's about as special as you can get. Isn't it amazing that he gets before the presence of God? He sees the holiness of God, the glory of God. He's exposed to the literal presence of God in the throne room. And he doesn't say, yo, I'm awesome. He says, woe to me, I'm undone. I'm unclean. My lips are unclean, and the people I roll with, we're all unclean. 
You know, what's amazing about us as humans is we always tend to kind of compare ourselves to other people, don't we? Right? And that's okay. I mean, we all, we all kind of did. So, so, yeah, if I compare you to Hitler, you're a good person. You're an amazing person, right? If I compare you to Stalin, like, yeah, you, you're an awesome person. And, and In fact, if we started talking, you'd be like, yo, pastor, like, I'm a good person, man. Like, I don't rob any banks. I don't go around and slap people. Like, I go to it my nine to five. I pay taxes. Like, like I'm a good person, right? And, and I'm sure you are. You're a good person. Yet, compared to the holiness and the glory and the righteousness of God. See, the Bible says all have fallen short of the glory of God. And that you and I, and salvation doesn't work like Salvation isn't like God's comparing people to people. He's comparing people to him. And the Bible says we actually all fall short of, of that glory, of that, of that holiness, right? It's like you and I tried to, tried to take a swim off Fort Lauderdale Beach, right? We, we run off the pier and we jump in. We're trying to swim to Dublin, Ireland. I mean, you might get a little farther than me, but neither one of us are going to make it. We're going to fall short. The gap between God and me is greater than Fort Lauderdale and Dublin, Ireland. Swimming. There, there's a gap. In fact, the, the way that the, the people would write the Bible, the, the way the biblical writers would write, when they wanted to make an exclamation point, they would write it twice. They didn't have exclamation points. You know? So when we're texting, right, and we're like, yo, you better show up on time, right, exclamation, whatever it is. That's how, that's how we do it in English. In, in the Bible times, they would write the word twice to make an exclamation point. So if I look at John 3 real quick, this is Jesus just talking to his disciples, right? He, he goes, he answers them. He says, verily, verily, I say to you. In other words, what he's saying is, verily, I say to you. So, so we're making a point. And we're going to exclaim it. We just write it twice. If the biblical writers wanted to take a, a word or an attribute and they wanted to take it to like its maximum extreme, like, like this is so extreme, I cannot put any more exclamation points behind this thing. It's like, it's like a word with like a page of exclamation points. This is the greatest thing ever. The only attribute of God in Scripture ever defined three times and exclaimed three times is his holiness. Isn't that wild? Holy, holy, holy. What are the angels actually doing? They're flying around the throne room of God, shouting at the top of their lungs, holy, there is no one like you in all the universe. There is, you're completely set apart. In fact, if you look at the word in the Hebrew, it's kadosh, right? It's kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. They're shouting kadosh, and it literally means holy, separated, set apart, unique, nothing like this. He's special. There's nothing and no one that you can compare him to in all of the universe, right? Some of you that know me, you know that I'm a motorcycle rider, and I've got my Harley in my garage. My cars are outside the garage, but the Harley gets the garage, okay? Like two wheels are better than four for me. And so what, what, what is the motorcycle? It's set apart for me. It's special, right? It gets special treatments. It gets waxed and washed, and you know, I'll just take the cars through like the automatic car wash, right? Like it's, it's set apart. There's a place in my heart for it. What's funny about us human beings is even if we're talking the greatest, we can typically compare that person to somebody else. So if I'm like, yo, Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time, I'm going to get some amens, but I'm going to get some people to be like, yeah, but what about LeBron James, right? Like, like if I bring up any artist or, or any singer-songwriter or any CEO, we can talk about their greatness, but we can also begin to compare them to somebody else. But when you bring up the holiness of God 
and the glory of God and the righteousness of God and the love of God and the care of God. He stands completely alone in all the universe. There is no one like this God. And when Isaiah sees the glory of God, he's like, I'm undone. I can never stand or compare. There's, the gap is too big. What does he do in essence when he's exposed to the glory of God? He, he kind of repents. God, you're amazing. You're perfect. I'm undone. I thought I was good. I thought I was in good standing. But man, I'm not. I'm completely undone when, when I see this, right? I, I'm, I'm totally undone. He, he repents. He has this, this change of, of mind and heart, right? You know, I, I can always tell like a real follower of Christ because they've experienced the presence of God. They're not worried about their neighbor's sin. They're worried about their own sin. See, when you and I are exposed to the holiness and the goodness and the glory of God, we're like, God, I, I got problems. You know, and before I help anybody else with their stuff, man, I know I got stuff I got to work on. I don't have time to worry about them. I need your help because of this, right? Like, I know I fall short of you. Religion is always focused on who's that, who's this, where do they stand? But, but Jesus is like, where do you stand with God? How am I with him? Am I in a healthy, loving, following, obedient place? I'm not worried about anybody else. I'm like, yo, God, I need, I need this thing. I need this grace. I need this mercy. So that's what Isaiah does, right? It's, and it's surprising. You would think that a prophet of God would be like, yo, I've been waiting my whole life to see your glory. You know, let's do this thing. I got you. I'm your man. And he's like, I'm undone. And everybody I know is undone. I'm undone. Isn't it interesting what he does? But isn't it surprising what heaven does? Heaven doesn't come up to him and be like, yo, you're right, you undone. You're worthless, Isaiah. You're right, you can't stand, you know. Why did I even show you this, you know? It, it doesn't shame him, doesn't guilt trip him, doesn't put him down, doesn't exclude him, doesn't push him out. In fact, what, what happens? An angel go gets a coal and says, yo, I'm going to touch you with this coal and with this, with this fire, with this love, with this purity from the altar, what it, your guilt is removed shame gone and you're atoned for wow you're atoned for heaven initiated the salvation wow he's like yo I, i'm undone but then what does heaven do doesn't guilt trip doesn't push doesn't belittle it cleanses and initiates the atonement right he comes in and swoops in he's like i'm, I'm clean after he's clean watch this then he hears the call then he can hear the call and he goes yo here i am send me how many believers are not, are not hearing their call because their ears are plugged with the wax of guilt and shame? I think a lot of us, honestly, if I could preach on this for just five minutes, I feel like guilt and shame has a number of believers down. Pastor, I want to run with my calling. I want to do something big for God, but I feel like I'm undeserving. I feel like I've made too many mistakes. I feel like my past is a little too dark. I feel like I've got a little too much shame to believe God for anything good. Can I help some of you this morning? Your sin has been atoned for. Even if you were good, you couldn't stand anyway. This whole thing is by faith. It's by grace. He initiated it. We wouldn't get to him anyway, so he came down to us. And when God cleanses your shame, it's gone. When God cleanses the guilt, it's gone. When God says you're a new creation in Christ Jesus, you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, deserving of all of the promises. You know, the Bible says the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. So if you're in Christ, you are hidden in the love and the goodness and the holiness and the righteousness of Christ. God is not seeing your past. He's not seeing your sin. He's not seeing your shame. He's not seeing your guilt. You are declared righteous. 
Come on, man, you might have had a dark past, but you got a bright future, and you all better clap and get excited because I'm preaching better than you're reacting this morning. Come on. Heaven initiates the atonement. Heaven initiates the atonement. Amen. Our undone, unworthy, unclean prophet, the very next chapter, are you ready for the surprise? Here's where it goes Christmas on us. The very next chapter after this moment with God, hearing, seeing, being in God's presence, the guilt, the shame removed. The very next chapter, our undone prophet writes in verse 7, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us, speaking of Jesus. Two chapters after that, our undone, unclean, you know, worn-out prophet writes, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. In fact, Isaiah goes on to give us some of the clearest, most amazing picture of Jesus' birth, life, and ministry in the Old Testament period, right? How could this unclean, undone prophet give us some of the most incredible revelations of Jesus? Because he caught a glimpse of God's glory in God's heart, and he realized heaven is bringing the atonement down to us, baby. Heaven is coming down. I can't get up. I can't touch the glory. But guess what? Something from the altar, this coal, this love, this fire, this passion is coming down to us. What is Christmas? It is Jesus. It is the Father saying, man, guys, I'm coming down to you. I'm initiating salvation. You can't reach me, but I am coming for you, baby. And I'm coming for your past. I'm coming for your guilt. And I'm coming for your shame. Just look at your neighbor and be like, Christmas is coming for you. Like, it's coming. Christmas is coming for you. What is this whole thing about? It is heaven initiating atonement. It's heaven initiating atonement. It's the love of a father saying, I can't leave you like this. You can't reach me, but I will reach you. And I will do it from this coal, from the altar. My son, Jesus, this love, this fire, this passion is coming for you. And I'd say Isaiah is one of the first ones to kind of experience it. And he started writing about it. And he goes, yo, this man's coming. He's coming for you. You know, my heart and my prayer for you guys this Christmas season it is like the Apostle John, like millions of other believers, like people all throughout the ages, that, that you would come and your heart would say, for God so loved the world, man, that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God's not mad at you. He's just madly in love with you. He's not trying to condemn you this morning. He's trying to rescue you. I think God is the most misunderstood being in the universe. Christmas is one of the most misunderstood holidays out there. What is Christmas? It is heaven coming for you. Not to condemn you, not to beat you, not to judge you, not to call you naughty or nice, but to make a spiritually dead person become alive in Jesus' name and to give you a new hope and a new future and to remove the guilt and the shame and wash you clean so you can get up in the morning and run for your destiny and your calling. Amen? I'm all fired up on this, on this one today. This is kicking off Christmas for us. Amen? Let me pray for you as we close today. I hope you received it today. It's just like living inside of me. Heaven coming for us. Jesus coming for you. With all eyes closed for a moment, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I love everybody under the sound of my voice, and you love them a million times more 
God, you came for them. You sent your son for them. You were willing to spend and to send your son for the chance to reach them, to capture the hardest thing in all of the universe, the human heart. And God, I thank you that you sent your son. I thank you that you love today. And God, I thank you that you want them today. With all eyes closed for a moment longer, if you're in here today and say, yo, Pastor Matt, I want to lay down some guilt and shame. I'm a believer, but I'm struggling with guilt. I'm struggling with shame. This message really stirred my heart. I can't get to God, but God, I want God to get to me. And if you're in here this morning, you're like, yo, Pastor, like I needed that. I hear that. I want to surrender my life to God, maybe at a greater level, maybe come back to God, or maybe for the first time. If that's you, would you just lift your hands really quick? Thank you, thank you, thank you. This is awesome. Thank you. About four or five of us. This is beautiful. Let's all pray this together so nobody feels alone. Say, Lord Jesus, I give you my guilt and shame. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. God, I give you my life. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you guys give up like the four or five people lift their hands today? I could see that's beautiful. Man, I just, I think guilt and shame is one of the nastiest things, and I think that's why God dealt with it head on. He's like, I'm going to touch this thing with fire, and I'm going to kick it out of your life. Amen. Amen. Beautiful. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.